thanks for tuning in to the First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu Sermon Podcast. We're into a new sermon series called Grit and Grace, where we focus in on the lives of women in the Bible. Today, we learn what happens when we are receptive to God's prompting. Here's First Pres Executive Coordinator Jenny Sung with the sermon, Open Heart, Open Home. Good morning. My name is Jenny Sung. I'm one of the lay pastors here on staff, and it is a blessing for me to share with you this morning. Our last sermon series was called Hope Restored, and we went through the entire book of Mark for a year and a half, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And I really like that, you know, because we were able to take our time with the verses and really ponder and sometimes even like wrestle with some of the difficult scriptures, right? So we're doing something different now, and I'm kind of getting used to it. What we're doing is we're taking the next few months to focus on one character, one person in the Bible, specifically uh, a different woman in the Bible every week. And I'm still adjusting to this. I'm finding this challenging because you're trying to take one person often in this huge context, in this huge story, and highlight the person or event in one Sunday. It's like, how do you talk about Esther in one Sunday, you know? But I am seeing that as we have these characters in the Old Testament and New Testament, and I see how God uses everyone. He uses us all whose hearts are responsive, no matter what our background, no matter what our circumstances or what we've been through, our past, no matter our social status or our gender or role we have in life. God uses us all. God loves us all. And he calls us into a partnership with him, into his story of redemption and restoration in a broken world. Will you pray with me as we prepare to study God's word for today? Lord, we thank you for your word. We ask that you would open up our hearts and minds to your truth today. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Guide us. May we follow you and bring your love to those around us. We thank you in Christ's name, amen. Now in the last couple of weeks, we've seen some really incredible things happen, right? We saw um, like Esther and the person of influence that God was calling her to be. And then the Samaritan woman at the well who was an outcast, who was ostracized and yet The Samaritan woman, after hearing the good news, ran to the town, ran to the village to share with everyone there what Jesus had done. And the entire town came to meet Jesus. In today's passage, we see a woman named Lydia. She's a dealer in purple cloth. They say she's the very first convert in Europe to Christianity. And so God uses Lydia to build his church in the city of Philippi. And that's where you, later on you'll see the letter to the church in Philippi. We're in the book of Acts in the New Testament. This is an incredible book, action-packed. It's written by the apostle Luke. And today we're going to focus on chapter 16. This is where Lydia is introduced. And uh, she's a woman who, after hearing the gospel, after hearing about Jesus, her life is completely transformed. But when we look at Lydia... Uh, we see that Lydia's story is actually embedded within this much larger story, this network. And this network is this incredible missionary journey of the Apostle Paul. You know, the guy who, who 
killed Christians and then, and then he was on fire for Jesus, right? And so um, you'll see that it helps to kind of see the story of Lydia with a very wide angle lens. And I'm a very lineal thinker, so I like to think like, okay, before, during, and after. And so think of like before Lydia, when we try to understand Paul's response of obedience of how he even came to Philippi after receiving a vision from God. Okay, that's how he gets to Philippi. And then during is the actual story of Lydia and who she is and how Paul meets Lydia. And then after is just this impact, ripple effect of what happens in Philippi as people hear the good news, they receive the gospel. After Lydia's heart is opened. So let's go back to a little bit of the before and the Apostle Paul. You'll see a map coming up. And this is the second missionary journey of the Apostle Paul. And I've, I've kind of tried to point out key, um, key cities where, where Paul went. And so you see in that first circle, the magnifying glass. This is the beginning of chapter 16 in the book of Acts, where he says that he is sharing in Derby and Lystra. And then he tries to kind of go up north, right? You know, it's called the region of Bithynia. And, and he's not allowed to go there. Like it says, the spirit kept him from going there. And so he kind of goes left and you'll see that middle circle. The middle circle is Troas. That's where he ends up. So he goes out to Troas and this is where Paul gets a vision from God. Not to go right to Asia, but he gets a vision from God to go west to west to Macedonia, and that's how he ends up in Philippi. So in Acts chapter 16, verses nine through 10, it says this, during the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel there. Now, a lot of people wonder, like, who is this man of Macedonia? Some people say, well, you know, it's actually like, like the Apostle Luke. And some say, well, no, it was probably a man in Macedonia, one of his converts later on. And some people say, no, that this was Lydia. This was actually a woman. But the important thing to note here is that Paul at once got ready to leave once he heard from God. Once he heard from God. Paul ends up going to Philippi, the third circle right there. So... So um, Troas is now like kind of like a Western Turkey. Then he goes up to Philippi, which is, uh, I think it's Ka Kavala, Greece now. That's the region. So that's where he is. And as I was studying kind of Paul's missionary journey and thinking about this vision that he had and his response at once to be obedient, to where God was leading him. I thought of a very modern day Paul, and this was um, the story that Heidi Lum gave. This is the person of Heidi Lum, a longtime member of our church of First Pres. Heidi is a lay pastor, and she's a missionary to Africa. Her story is amazing. At age 18, Heidi told God that she would go anywhere and do anything for him. Just please don't make her a missionary, and certainly not to Africa. Heidi is now a missionary to Eswatini and Tanzania, both are in Africa. It was through a series of visions and a dream in 2005. Heidi knew God was calling her to care for orphans and the extended communities through holistic care in Africa. An estimated 280,000 children in Eswatini 
and 2.76 million in Tanzania have been left without parents and they're orphaned, mostly due to a long history of HIV or AIDS, tuberculosis, malaria, and other deadly diseases. One morning, Heidi was on a short-term mission trip in Swaziland. It was called Swaziland back then. And she had a dream that she was there with her family, feeding children on a hill at a specific homestead. Two days later, she had a vision of God taking her heart and planting it into the soil in Africa. And she came back to First Present on the first Sunday back at church. Heidi saw another vision. She was worshiping, and she saw a line of Swazi children in front of the distinctive homestead looking for help. She said, I kept seeing this every time I closed my eyes, and towards the end of the worship time, I began to see God's arm outstretched embracing the children, and I heard, feed my sheep. I knew without a doubt that God was calling me to Africa. And the very next year, in February, she had filed the paperwork to start the nonprofit Advocates for Africa's Children. Today, if you read their latest news, God's doing amazing things through them. He's building a new village in Eswatini to enable over 100 children to attend school. They've expanded to start a preschool in Tanzania, so they started with Eswatini, and now they're in Tanzania. And there's, they're starting a preschool, farming five acres of land, and they continue to bring the word of God to a region in Tanzania where most are Muslim. In the past year, Heidi has been able to baptize 21 new believers in Tanzania to Jesus Christ. It is amazing what happens when we're open and we're responsive to God's leading. It is absolutely amazing when we let go and let God. There are many modern day Pauls among us, you know. They're going where God is leading and they're bringing the good news of the gospel. And it doesn't have to be all the way on the other side of the globe. It can be to our, our neighborhoods. I know people who are sharing the good news with their coworkers. I know Al Linton, whose broad just show up every week to his staff, and they really enjoy it. I know people who are going out there and making a difference for teachers, uh, a teacher's heart and at Laundry Love. I know people who are just sharing God's love with their neighbor just by bringing over some food. We are all responding to God's leading to a world that desperately needs Jesus. If you are able, let's stand together and read the word for today. We're in the book of Acts, chapter 16, verses 11 through 15. Let's read this together. From Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace, and the next day we went on to Neapolis. From there, we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony, and the leading city of that district of Macedonia. And we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river, where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the woman who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God, 
The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you. You may be seated. So after the vision that Paul receives in Troas, he doesn't go right, he doesn't go east, he goes west to Philippi, a place he says was the leading city in Macedonia. Now here's a modern day uh, picture of some of the ancient um, remains of Philippi. And I want to tell you about first century Philippi. It was uh, a very strong Roman colony. It was named after Alexander the Great's father, King Philip II of Macedon, and people were proud to be Romans in Philippi, uh, even though they were surrounded by the Macedonians and the Greeks and the surrounding areas. And, and many of the people who lived in Philippi were retired military who had been given the land in the vicinity sort of as a gift, and they in turn served as the presence in the Roman presence in that city. There were uh, religious influences of Roman gods and even Egyptian deities. There was a sanctuary dedicated to Dionysus, the god of wine, and there were statues with depictions of the goddess Diana, who was the goddess of the moon and hunting. It was a prosperous city with Roman baths, a Roman forum, and a Roman archway of the city. And Philippi laid on a very, along a very important road called the Via Ignatia. And it was the most important road of Macedonia and Thrace. And basically, it served as the Roman military and commercial highway. It connected everything. So Philippi was pretty amazing. Now, uh, Pastor Dan took a group uh, uh, to Greece from First Pres several years back. Anybody here from that, from that group? They kind of went through the footsteps of Paul. And here, um, we see the Via Ignatia. So he sent me some photos of their trip to Philippi, and that is the road, that is the road that um, Paul would have followed when their ship from Troas landed in Neapolis, and then they would have taken that road from Neapolis to Philippi. And then the next photo is, this is kind of the um, uh, bap baptistery that they built um, uh, of Lydia, and they said that it's a mile away from where Lydia became the first recorded European convert to Christianity. So many church groups go there um, uh, to be baptized in the waters there. Many come to rededicate their lives to Christ. And you can see Pastor Dan, uh, he sent us some photos of some of the members who were on that trip. Now the next photo is, uh, fast forward a little bit, it's a photo of the jail that Paul and Silas were, were thrown in. They were thrown in this jail um, right after the conversion of Lydia. If you read further in Acts chapter 16, um, Paul and Silas actually free this slave girl from a spirit of divination. And because of that, the people are so upset that they throw them in jail. And so this is the jail that he was in in Philippi. So. Uh, Paul doesn't know all of this, right? All the things that are about to happen. He arrives in Philippi, this Roman colony. So what does he do? What does Paul usually do when he goes to a new city to spread the news about Jesus? He goes to the local Jewish synagogue. That's where he goes first. He attends the local Jewish synagogue on that first Sabbath to tell people about Jesus. 
But when he gets to Philippi, there is no synagogue. It's a Roman city and there's no synagogue. And that means that there are so few Jews there for by Jewish law, get this, you had to have a quorum of 10 men. And back then they didn't count women, so you had to have 10 Jewish men to constitute a synagogue. And they didn't have that. Now, I find it very interesting that there had to be a quorum. It's very Presbyterian, I think. Uh, you know, when I, when I joined his church, there was like a quorum for every ministry meeting I ever attended. It was like, do we meet quorum? And I'd be like, I don't know, what's quorum? You know, I can imagine in Philippi, you know, it's not Madame Clerk, do we meet quorum? It's Mr. Clerk, do we meet quorum? No, not in Philippi, we do not meet quorum. So, there was no synagogue. And so what is Paul to do? What is Paul, Luke, and Silas, and Timothy to do? Well, we know, because we read in verse 13 here, that they go down to the river. So, it says in verse 13, on the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. They expected that. We sat down and began to speak to the women who were gathered there. So they find women who are gathered there. Now, uh, if there was no synagogue, you would often find an unofficial gathering place right outside, and it was an informal place of Jewish, Jewish worship, a place to gather and pray. Now, we heard the choir sing today as I went down to the river to pray, studying about the good old way, good Lord, show me the way, let's go down, come on down to the river to pray. So you can imagine people going down to the river to pray. Somehow they have found God, the God of Israel, and they are gathering together to pray. So you can see how this intersection is forming, right? You see how God's orchestrated all this. God's always working. We see Paul, who wanted to go right, but he ends up going left to Philippi. So now Paul is in Philippi, and here we have the group go down to the river, to look for a place to play, pray, and who do they find? They find a group of women. They find women who are gathered by the river to pray. And then, this is where Paul meets Lydia. Lydia is in the purple. She's a, a dealer of purple cloth. That's what they call her. And we'll find out more about her in a bit. But we find uh, Paul, speaking with a woman and teaching them about Jesus and telling them the good news. And it says that Lydia, for the first time, she hears about Jesus and her heart is opened. Her heart is opened. So what do we know about this Lydia woman? What do we know? Well, it says that she was from Thyatira in Asia. This is an area that was very well known for their, their dyeing of purple. And Lydia had established a business in Philippi. She had traveled to Philippi, and she was quite successful there. She had a very large household. Now, the reason why um, her trade was a luxury trade is because the dealer in purple cloth, this was a very expensive trade. The purple dye that was used um, for the cloth was so costly because it had to be gathered drop by drop from a certain shellfish. And, and so I'm like, is this like saffron? Is it saffron or saffron? You know, like, I don't know, it costs so much for, for some spices, right? So this purple dye was very costly and super expensive to buy, which is why only the wealthy or like royalty could afford this purple cloth. 
So Lydia, we know, was wealthy. She was successful, a leader in her trade, and she had a large household. And she is a worshiper of God. Now, one commentator wrote that by giving so much information about Lydia and quoting her invitation to invite Paul and Silas into her house, Luke, the author, seems to suggest that Lydia became a leading figure in the church at Philippi, that she was one of the core members there. So what do we know? From verse 14, we know that Lydia was a worshiper of God. She listened. She, she was deeply listening to Paul, and her heart was open. She had a heart to respond. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. And if you read other versions, it says, like the NRSV says, she listened eagerly to what was said by Paul. And in King James, it says, she attended onto the things which were spoken of Paul. And I love the message version, Eugene Peterson. He says, as she listened with intensity to what was being said, the master gave her a trusting heart, and she believed. A trusting heart. Now, if you look at um, the word in Greek, the word for that open there is dianoigo. And that word occurs again in Luke chapter 24, verse 25. And this is when Jesus, after the resurrection, appears to the disciples. And then it says he opened up their minds to understand the scriptures. He opened up their minds. So it means to open up completely. Lydia's heart was opened up completely to respond to the things that Paul was saying. Have you ever had a crossroads moment, an opportunity where you might be sensing that God is saying something to you. You're sensing the Spirit's leading, and and you're at a crossroads because you can respond or you can do nothing. And, And often in these times, God is opening up our heart, and we can sense it. But, you know, it's, it's often a situation, I find, that, that it takes a response for us to meet with God. He's longing to meet with us, but, but we respond. It's not like we don't do anything. So when God opens up our hearts, what do we do? Are we willing to trust? Are we willing to open up completely? Are we willing to move from where we are to go in a different direction, perhaps? Are we willing to reconcile? Are we willing to forgive? If the Lord is prompting us to do something, are we willing to take that bold step and share the good news with someone? Are we willing to respond? Just last week, Pastor Dan, in a sermon, he said that once you become a Christian, we seek more and more the filling and the power of the Holy Spirit. We seek it all the time. And at the end of the service, he prayed and he asked people to respond by standing if we wanted more of the Holy Spirit in our lives. My friend, um, I spoke with my friend a few days afterwards, and she gave me permission to share this. She told me, you know, when Pastor Dan said, if you want more of the Holy Spirit and know his power and presence, he's going to ask us to stand. You know, I started feeling my whole body tingling, and I was sitting there, and I could just feel feel like this tingling. And um, she had really connected with the sermon, and it was powerful. And she knew at that moment when Pastor Dan was asking that she needed to respond, that she needed to stand up 
to pray for a greater filling of the Holy Spirit. But she, she didn't want to stand, you know? She didn't, she said she, I never stand for those kinds of things. I don't stand in church, was what she told me. But in obedience, in response, when God opened up her heart, she stood. It was a powerful time of prayer. And as people prayed, she said that her arms started feeling hot and her hands became burning hot and, and her whole body was warm. And she said, you know, I got so hot, she had to take off her jacket and put it on the seat. And this is a person who's always freezing, believe me, like always cold. This person was so hot. And sometimes we see this when we're filled by the Holy Spirit. There's a, sometimes a physical sign. It can be um, like a intense heat, heat in our hands oftentimes, or it could be like a tingling sensation, like electricity coursing through your body. And sometimes that happens. You know, my friend's uh, husband, who's a new believer, got to witness all of this. And, and he stood for prayer. And, and shoulder to shoulder, they prayed. And it was a beautiful time where they got to uh, witness and, and, and get filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, we all need to be filled more with the Holy Spirit. We need to live by the power of the Holy Spirit. And when our hearts are open and willing, like Lydia, God does not lead us astray. It was a morning mass at the house of Santa Marta in 2017. Pope Francis uh, shared about Lydia when he was talking about the Holy Spirit. It was Pope Francis who said, the Lord opened her heart, Lydia's heart, so that the Holy Spirit could enter, and she became a disciple. It is precisely within our hearts that we carry the Holy Spirit. The church calls the Spirit the sweet guest of the heart. He is there, but he cannot enter a closed heart. Ah, but where can one buy the keys to open the heart? No, that too is a gift. It is a gift of God. So we pray, Lord, open my heart so that the Spirit can enter it and I can understand that Jesus is the Lord. And the Pope said, this is the prayer we should be praying every day. Lord, open my heart so that I can understand what you've taught us, so that I can remember your words, so that I can follow your words, so that I can come to the fullness of the truth. He ended this message by asking two questions, and I repeat these two questions for us here today. The first was, is my heart open is my heart open? Are we willing to respond when we sense the movement of the Holy Spirit, when we sense God knocking? And two, do I make an effort to listen to the Holy Spirit? Do I listen to the Holy Spirit? God wants to open up our hearts, just like Lydia's. It's Dallas Willard who says, God is so sensitive to the slightest move of any heart towards him. He says, God hears and responds without fail. Dallas Willard says, like, it's, it's like there's a heart monitor installed in each one of us. And when the heart truly reaches out to God, as God no longer looking at itself or others, he responds with the gift of life from above, the gift of life. 
And in today's story, we see a woman named Lydia responding to the gift of love, to the gift of life from above. Whatever value she's placed on her trade, her money, her success, that's no longer the measure, no longer the measure of her worth. Her heart is completely open and belongs to Jesus. And as a sign of her faith, she does one of the important sacraments that we practice even today, and that's baptism. She was baptized right there in the river, and then she brings her entire household to be baptized, and then she shares the good news with others and along with other believers as we read on, other believers who follow Paul. They build a church. They establish a congregation in Philippi. Some say that uh, Lydia's house, this is the house where she said, if you believe me to be a believer of the Lord, if you, if you judge me to be a believer, come and stay at my house. And they say that this house became the early church, the early church where Christians gathered. Isn't that amazing? Today is communion Sunday. And we take communion. And so as the deacons and elders prepare for communion, let us ponder if our hearts are open, let us ponder the gift of life that Jesus so freely gives. It's a gift that he offers to anyone, for all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. God is sensitive to the movement of our hearts. When we take communion, we remember Jesus. We remember his death and his resurrection and the life that he offers. It's in the breaking of the bread and in the drinking of the cup that he comes to bring abundant life to all of us. We can live in response of his grace. We can live in response of his mercy and his love and his hope and joy even in the midst of some very difficult circumstances. This is the gift of life that Jesus brings. Communion is such a special time where we gather together, and it's not by the river, where we gather together here at First Pres to remember what Jesus did, to remember he died on the cross and rose again to save us from our sins, to bring us all into one family, to experience his love, his joy, his peace, and Lydia experienced this when her heart was open, when she received the gospel. And her life was changed. You know, it, it didn't end just there with Lydia, you know. She actually created this ripple effect. She responded to the truth and got baptized. And then her whole household became baptized. And then with other followers, she was dedicated to building up the church, to build up a community of Christians who met in her home. And we know later that the church in Philippi was one of the most dearest churches to the Apostle Paul, very faithful and generous. We know that this power that Lydia had, this ripple effect, this power did not come from herself, that it was by the power of the Holy Spirit, that it was because when God opened up her heart, she responded and God moved moved in ways that you know one person cannot. Jesus says the Father is always at work. He said this in John chapter 5, verse 17. And the aim is to hear and respond to what the Father is doing and saying. So we are listening. 
Now, some of us here have sensed the presence of the Holy Spirit and even a, 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 a nudging or a knocking, but our, our hearts are extremely burdened. There may be some of us here who are going through an extremely difficult situation, a difficult relationship, and we're longing for an open heart. We want to trust again. We want a trusting heart. And I just want to invite you to raise your hand and pray with me that if you would like to pray for an open heart, just raise your hand. It's just a physical sign saying, God, open my heart. We don't do it on our own. God, open my heart. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. And then there are some of us here who are sensing um, a leading from the Lord in a certain direction or, or um, maybe a different direction from where you are. And maybe it's to, to lead a group of people. Maybe it's to go in a different direction. Maybe it is to reconcile with a very long-term fractured relationship. And I, I know how hard that can be. And you want to respond to what the Father is saying and doing. You want to Lydia heart. So just raise your hand if you would like to, for me to pray for you for God's leading as you sense this new direction, this leading from God. Let's pray together. Lord, Lord, our, our, our hearts are raised. Our hands are raised. Our hearts are raised towards you. We come before you as the body of Christ. Some of us, Lord, are crying out, will you open our hearts? Holy Spirit, come, open up our hearts. We ask for a filling of the Holy Spirit. Will you reach in deep to the areas that are so dark? It's, it's so hard. I don't know if you can soften my heart, Lord, but I'm willing. Holy Spirit, will you come in? Fill, cleanse, light up all the areas. We thank you that whenever we turn to you, you never forsake us. Your promise never goes void. Soften our hearts, Lord. And Lord, there are some of us here, you've prompted us to go in a certain direction a certain leading, to take a step, a response of obedience. And we want to be faithful. Lord, lead us. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Show us where to go. Show us how to say those words, how to love one another. Lord, open up our hearts so that we can understand what you have taught us, so we can remember your words, so that we can follow your words so that we can come to the fullness of your truth. In Christ's name, amen. Now stand and receive this blessing for today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and his countenance be gracious unto you and give you peace. And may you always know the precious love of Jesus Christ deep in your hearts as you follow him. Amen. When we open ourselves to Jesus, we are open to a vibrant, abundant life with God. 
If you'd like to hear this sermon again, you can listen to and download this and other sermons from the First Pres website, fpchawaii.org. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Join us at one of our worship services on campus at 45550 Kiona Ole Road, Kaneohe, Hawaii, 96744. We meet Sunday mornings at 8, 9.30, and 11.11. Follow First Pres on Twitter and Facebook. Download the First Pres app. Watch First Pres sermon videos on our website and on Facebook. And if you need more, call us at 808-532-1111. For Pastor Dan Chun and the entire staff at First Pres, I'm Michael Shishido. Until next time, God bless you and thank you for listening. Copyright 2019 and produced by the Media Ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu at Ko'olau.